Hello, welcome back to IVFU. Today, I'm very excited for you to meet Melissa, a Black woman working to have a baby by herself and owning it every step of the way. With a rare condition which makes her eggs unviable, Melissa is dealing with big financial and medical obstacles and the fact that there are precious few Black egg and sperm donors out there. And what I love about Melissa is that this has only made her more determined. I think we could all use a little more Melissa in our blood. The single mom originally wasn't my plan, but once that occurred, it was like, you know what? I'm strong. I'm educated. I'm a professional and I'm going to do parenting my way without reservations or hesitations about it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, this is so exciting to me in so many ways uh, because for one thing, you reached out to me because you are a listener of the podcast and you wanted to share your story. So I'm very happy that you are here to tell me about your experience. Thank you. And because you said to me in your email, you know, doing this as a proud single woman. Right. Originally, it was like um, I was seeing someone and in the midst of me seeing him, I learned that I had premature ovarian failure. Um, And then soon after that, we ended things. He cheated on me. And, you know, so I dealt with that a little bit and came to the conclusion that uh, with me being the age that I am at 36 and um, my ethnicity is a black woman. Correct. Like, I'm just going to go ahead and make the choice to take the power back and do this journey alone. Of course, I have a large support system. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as yeah. the guy that you were dating, was it because of the POF, the premature ovarian failure that it ended or, you know, I feel like it was unrelated, but it might could have had something to do with it. I um, mean, not just the diagnosis itself. So like he cheated and, you know, went out and did whatever he wanted to do whenever he wanted to do. It. Um, but if I really like am reflective about it with premature ovarian failure, I've learned, you know, I'm 36, but my doctors told me I have a body of a 51 year old woman going through menopause. Oh, wow. And so with that comes different things that I have to go through. Um, so our sex life definitely slowed down quite a bit. Um, so perhaps he wasn't able to deal with that or knew how to deal with that and ventured out. I don't, I never got real, like real answers or real closure. That's just my speculation. Um, but I could see how dealing with the reality of my body going through menopause at such a young age could have played a part in our relationship. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's coming with all the emotions that come with menopause as well. Correct. Wow. Yeah. And kids, you always knew you wanted kids? Well, I mean, originally in my young life, I was like, I always wanted to have like seven kids, all seven boys. And then (laughs) I started teaching and I was like, okay, let's throw some girls in the mix. Not all seven boys. (laughs) But the number was still seven. Amazingly. The number was still seven. Yeah. And then it slowly was like, okay, we can maybe three, you'll be good. (laughs) Three is the magic number. That's what we want. But, you know, now it's just one. But um, right. Like I'll take one. At least just, just, just give me one. Right. Um, But originally it was like, you know, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have children. My best friend and I are going to raise our 
kids right next door. We're going to be soccer moms together, all that great (laughs) stuff. Um, And my best friend is, she just had her baby, um, New Year's Oh my gosh, wow. She and her husband, and and that's going great. She's gorgeous. But uh, I didn't fulfill my end of that story. Yeah. <laughs> the bargain, you know, right. <laughs> my part wasn't unfulfilled. Yeah. How is that for you? Kind of seeing her, like you said, like you didn't fulfill your half of the bargain. Do you, do you really, I mean, I know you're sort of kidding, but it, there must be some mm-hmm. emotions wrapped up in that. There is, I love her dearly and, but there is. So like now she's doing the mom thing and I'm, super excited and happy for her at the same time. One with COVID, I can't be there. That's so (laughs) true. It's, it's been a little rough because I feel like I'm not on the baby train. I'm not with the mom tribe and it just, it doesn't feel great. It feels like this was something that we originally had planned to do together. Like this was the plan. That's how I kind of feel. I feel like I'm kind of not a part of that plan anymore. It's, It's one, I wonder if, you know, you're saying you didn't hold up your end of the bargain. But I also wonder if it were me, the irrational, emotional part of my brain would be kind of angry that she didn't hold up her end of the bargain by sort of waiting, you know? I mean, you never want someone to wait, but, you know, I would sort of feel like, well, wait a second, you don't get to do that without me. You know, this was our plan. We were going to, yeah, yeah, you know, kind of thing. Exactly. Yeah, it, t- it definitely does feel that way. Like, why, why me? Why didn't I get, you know, the, the happy ever after, so to speak. The happy ever after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then not even knowing that you're, you have menopause. So. Right. Had not, that was a question I had is how did that get diagnosed? So ironically, so when she found out she was pregnant, I went to go visit her and she was like, Melissa, let's get you checked. We need to find out what's going on with your body. Hmm. Um, Actually, it goes back to like 2015, 2014. Um, I went to different doctors because my cycle wasn't coming. And that was so odd. Mm. Um, but doctors would continue to tell me. I went to like four or five different doctors. And every doctor told me that it was because of stress. Mm. Like, don't worry. It's just stress. You're a teacher. Don't worry. It's just stress. Wow. And were they female and male doctors? Correct. Both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think that was part of you being Black as well? I mean, you know, Black women are not taken seriously as much when they go in. With Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I totally feel that way. And were your doctors um, white or Black? Um, white. White. All of them were white. Yeah. Even I had one white woman and the rest uh, were white men. Wow. And they all told me the same thing. It's just stress. Don't worry about it. It's just stress. And you obviously went to multiple doctors. You got different opinions from people. Correct. Yeah, so. Because I kept saying, wait a minute, I can't be crazy. Like, no, there's something going on with me. It can't just be stress. That's normal. Like everybody stresses good stress, bad stress. We stress. Right. This can't be it. And, you know, the only thing that I had known about not having a cycle is pregnancy. Like the opposite of not having my cycle is going to be that you're pregnant. Um, but that was not the case. Right. right. You pretty much <laughs> knew that that was not the case. Right. <laughs> so I changed my diet. I would eat vegetarian. Then I would try vegan, a vegan diet and drink more water. Wow. And 
no sugar, like gluten-free. I tried all these different things to see if naturally like we could change it. I, I would buy oils and all this stuff and nothing would work. Oh my gosh, this is, um, it's exhaust. First of all, it's exhausting to have to like keep changing your entire lifestyle and, you know, everything that you're intaking. And I mean, how much time was all of this? This sounds like a long time. Oh, that was probably a couple of years. Oh my God. <laughs> trying that, yeah. But actually, so I was in my early 20s when things with my body was starting to happen and I just didn't understand like um, with like night sweats or what do you call them? Hot flashes. And oh, you were getting those in your 20s. Yeah. Like mid 20s that was happening. Did you talk to anyone then? I did, but it was just, I was kind of just like pushed to the side almost Mm. in a sense. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like you're worrying about it too much. You, You have nothing to worry about. You're young. Wow. These are the doctors saying that? These are the doctors. Oh my God. So, and then, but here's with me not knowing anything about one, my body, and then two, that this was even a thing. Like I've never even heard about infertility until I found out about it, you know, myself. Like I had no idea that this was, you know, something that I could even go through. So it was like after coming back from visiting my best friend in Oklahoma, I found a black doctor, set up a time frame to meet with her. We did a telehealth call and I said before she was like, hi, nice to meet you. And I was like, hi, before you even begin, let me just say, I've been told that what I'm dealing with this stress, I've been told this by a bunch of doctors. I've tried this. I've tried that. If you tell me that it's just stress, then I'm, I'm changing insurance. <laughs> because I don't want to hear it. You started with that. That's amazing. That's how I started. (laughs) That was our hello. And she she was like, okay, calm down. Uh, You're like already (laughs) angry. Yeah. But you would be. Nice to meet you. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) But she said, okay, let me hear it all. And she was the first doctor in my young adult life that actually listened and took everything down, everything I was saying. She took it down and she said, okay, this is what it sounds like. Maybe you could be dealing with some type of fertility issues, but we're not sure. So I'm going to give you a whole, a bunch of tests. So basically I had to go and they took like 20 some odd vials of blood from me, everything. So after doing the test, she called me and she also knew that I was a Googler. So I'm like Googling all this stuff to try and like figure it out myself. Like I want to be prepared for whatever it is she was about to tell me. Right. Through all my Googling, I wasn't prepared. (laughs) She called me and she said, okay, Melissa, unfortunately you will not be able to have a child of your own. Mm. And I said, wait, what, what does that mean? She's like, you don't have any eggs. Um, I said, so I'm not, I don't have any eggs, like none, like zero, like, wait, how did this happen? And she said, had we known earlier, I wish you had gotten to me earlier because we could have run some tests. We could have, there. it's possible that we could have figured something else out Mm. years ago. I said, so I'm not going to be able to have any child. She said, the only way you'll be able to have a child is through egg donation. Wow. And you were how old when this was this year? This was this year. Oh yeah. God. This was this. August. And you had started. I mean, you'd already been doing this, what, four years at this point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So this is something that progresses too. She's like, she's saying they may have been able to make some differences four years ago. Mm-hmm. 
Oh my God. Yeah. How did you feel in that moment? I was like, why me? I don't understand. Um, I screamed. I cried. I, it was, I mean, I was wailing, um, like a mother had just lost her child. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was devastating. Um, and I mean, I, I was in mourning. Yeah. <laughs> um, you basically for, fast forwarded to the end of a journey that a lot of people go through, you know, for years with ups and downs. And then it, they eventually sometimes get that. You just were like slammed right into that. Mm-hmm. totally unprepared without even knowing, like you said, you didn't even know you were in the world of infertility or fertility. You were just right. like, why aren't I getting my period? It was really super mm-hmm. basic. And to get news like this, that's like, oh, you're, I'm already at the end of the road. I didn't even rent the car yet. What do you mean? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't tell me to go home. I haven't started right. the road trip. Yeah. Right. And so... I called my mom, I called my best friend, I called her mom. I was just, I mean, and we were all in shock because we literally thought, well, maybe it's, it's something that we can change. We can change our diet. We can, there's something that we can do to, we were hoping for some, something else. Right. Um, So to be told like nothing zilch. And then by the way, along with this, you're going through menopause and you have the body of a 51 year old woman. And I'm really concerned about your DEXA and your osteoporosis. Oh my God. So it's literally your whole body. It's not just your ovary. It's your whole body (laughs) is going through. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's like, okay. And I need you to come in and I want you to get a DEXA test. And I want to, what is that? So it's something where they just check on your bones to make sure like your bones aren't going through osteoporosis. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Which I'm not. Right. Okay. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Let's take (laughs) the wins wherever we can. Right. (laughs) But so I took all that in and then, and then the next day came and I had to teach kindergarten. And oh my gosh, right. So you're a teacher. <laughs> so that's another question I had is mm-hmm. so you're around kids all the time. This is your professional career. Was that initially making you want children more and then how did that feel to you once you got this news? Teaching hasn't really made me want kids more. A lot of times with my kid my students, they call me their school mom. And they're like, oh, you're my school mom. And that's like the greatest thing and the greatest feeling. And they still keep in touch. But to not be able to have my own was like, that's when it really hit me with where teaching came in. Because it was, I went through this anger. Like, how am I able to sit and teach all these other people's kids for all these years? And I can't even have my own to, you know, raise and go to PTA meetings for and with, you know, and. Um, but the next day we had a writing activity where we had to draw a heart and you would write the things that you value, the things that you loved inside of your heart. And I had to turn the camera off because I just Mm. like tears would just came flooding down my face because all I could think about was 
the baby that I always wanted that I'm now being told that I can't have. Yeah. That moment was so hard. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think I would be able to continue teaching or, you know, how am I going to pick myself up from this? Um, right. Right. And I'm so used to like, just as a person, I'm used to like putting on a smile and moving forward, like just keep going, just keep going. And I felt bad about it. Um, Now I don't. But then at that moment, at that time, I did. I felt bad that I couldn't keep smiling. I was like, what's wrong with me? Like, why am I not able to push through? This isn't you. You're supposed to put on a smile and keep going, keep going, cry about it later. But I just couldn't. I couldn't. And when you say you felt bad, you mean you felt critical of yourself? I felt like, like, I guess I was being selfish. Like Mm. there's so many other people that are dealing with, you know, something so much worse than you and keep moving, get, you know, you'll be able to have a kid some kind of way. Like there's always adoption. That's what I hear a lot. Oh my God. Um, I know. Why don't you just (laughs) adopt? Well, and what's so interesting is you are an adult adoptee too, right? Right. Exactly. And so there's the other part. So if anyone would understand, of course that's fulfilling, but it's a different way of fulfilling something that you weren't intending to do initially. Right. You know, it's still, you You can't just flip over and, oh, great. Here's an, oh, great. Oh, I didn't think about that. Thank you. <laughs> right. As an adult adoptee, no, it never occurred to me to adopt a baby. Thanks for suggesting <laughs> that. I appreciate that. You Thanks. Know. Yeah. But I, <laughs> yeah. I wonder, actually, do you think being an adoptee was part of why your drive to have your own child was so important? I mean, it's important yeah. for everyone, but. It's, they're being adopted, it's. You, there's still there's something like my parents are the greatest. I love them dearly. I had a really good life, but there is still this piece internally that I feel is missing. Um, it's difficult. So having a child of my own, I wanted that bond, that connection of you're mine and I'm yours. Genetics. Yeah. 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 And is premature ovarian failure genetic? It can be. So your birth parents, are you, so you weren't in touch with them. That wasn't an open adoption. No. Okay. And I, I longed to find them. Mm. Um, it was a closed adoption. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and there's very little that I know. Interesting. So if you had had that piece of information, maybe it would have been diagnosed sooner, but it sounds like none of those doctors were looking for it. So they wouldn't have been asking those questions. Right. Wow. Yeah. So all at once you're facing, first of all, COVID. <laughs> right. Let's not discount that because we've all lost our minds. Yes. Um, you're going through a breakup with someone who really behaved badly. Let's put it mm-hmm. so nicely that way. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> did not treat you well. And then you have the external emotions, I'll call them, of finding this huge loss, finding out this huge loss all at once that you're not going to be able to have your own genetic child and also the physical emotions of what's happening chemically in your body of mm-hmm. going through menopause. Yeah. And then you're mad at yourself that you're not being more cheerful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, I don't need to laugh. When you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> you're feeling guilty that you that you're sad. No, I I know. I mean I get it. And also like even Really, just from your email, there was such a positivity to it. I mean, even we've never met. I'm only hearing your voice. You know, we don't have our video on. We're here on Zoom. But I could tell right away that 
I could connect with the positivity that you have. And, you know, you used words like power and basically determined single mom or proud single mom, mm. you know, defiant, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so I feel like that is a very big part of who you are. You're, you are a very positive person and, and to suddenly be hit with something that you can't get yourself through must be devastating. Yeah. Yeah. So my mom and my dad both have been really supportive. Like, whatever you want to do, let's figure out how we can help you through it. Um, My best friend and her mom, who I call my bonus mom, Mm -hmm. they were with me through, goodness, the dark. Like, Mm -hmm. when I would be sitting in the restroom or, like, watching TV and all of a sudden I'm in tears and I can't figure out why I'm crying and they would call me every single day like, OK, we're going to we're going to get through it, you know, very proactive um, as far as, OK, now let's pick ourselves up. OK, what's the next hurdle? What are we going to do? Right. Um, so we looked online at different egg donation websites and then we looked at one, the cost, like, wow, my goodness. Yeah. And then two, that there weren't very many black egg donors, egg donors that looked like me or had my hair texture or my skin tone. And that's true because, you know, as a stupid white person, I'm sitting here thinking, well, I've seen black donors, but just a black donor does not solve your problem. Like that's assuming that I could look at any white donor and be like, great, she's white. Let's go, you know, but that's only the beginning of it. Like if I want someone like you say that looks like me, which is the Mm -hmm. point, it's not just about skin color. It's about, you know, the shape of the eyes and the hair and what are they into? Mm-hmm. And are they like, do they seem like they're like me, you know, are their interests similar or yeah. is their personality similar? Like you need just as many options as anyone right. else is looking for. And then you get these emails from egg donation places. I received one email from, um, from a company and they, hey, we found these new donors and um, we think they'd be perfect for you. And I'm like, okay, great. And I open up the email and they're white. And like wow. literally in two minutes, I get an email back from them apologizing. Oh, we're so sorry. We oh, they caught it. You. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, how many agencies did you look at? Um, starting off, there was like four. Um, every, each one had black donors, but not very many. You know, you'd think, oh, well, you know, at least there's someone there's they're there. But again, like they didn't have my hair texture. They weren't the match that I needed for me. Right. It's a very, very personal decision. You know, I mean, we found people that if you wrote it down on paper, they would be a match for me. Mm -hmm. First of all, white. But then I'm technically a brunette. You wouldn't know it these days, but yes, technically my original color is brown. So, you know, brunette, blue eyes, like you could put in even the lineage, like, okay, they have some British and some Polish and, you know, all the things that I have. But then you look at this person and it's like someone I would never even have a conversation Mm -hmm. with, you know, I mean, it's that you really have to find that match. It's almost like a spiritual Mm -hmm. match that you feel with the donor. It's such a process. Now, there are some women, though, I know that have settled because they haven't found any black sperm donors or black egg Mm. donors and have said, you know what, I just want a baby and I'm just going to do it. Do you think you would ever consider that? The only thing that I've considered is um, Latino. I've definitely looked that way or Filipino, but still, I want my baby to have brown skin. Yeah. You're not looking at Irish donors, right? No. No. (laughs) You have to draw the line somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and then rewind a little bit before that I had asked, I was like, okay, would I even be able to carry a child? Oh, wow. So the doctor said, well, let's do a sonogram. Let's see what's going on in there and did that. And that came out positive. And so that's when I said, okay, well, now let's look look at the egg donors and see what we can see. And was that at least a win when you found that out? Did that oh, feel when good? I found out that my uterus was good, I was like, yes, that was the happiest news I had in such a long time. I was like, score. Hey, our <laughs> yeah. uterus is good. <laughs> <laughs> Dancing in the living yes. room. Yeah. <laughs> but had I found out that my uterus wasn't good, I still would have looked for other options because I'm just a, a resilient person. Like I'm like, okay, I'm down all right, but now we're going to get back up and keep going. Like one way or another, Mm -hmm. we're going to have this little baby. (laughs) We're going to find this little baby. (laughs) (laughs) It will happen. Yeah. But that's exactly the positivity I felt from you too, just even in our emails. So yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me is, you know, you can't take no for an answer. You can can take an alternate answer, but you won't take no as an answer. Well, and also, by the way, you're going to need a sperm donor for this. Right. So now what is that search like? Oh what is, what is goodness. the world of Black sperm donors Ooh. like these days? It is. <laughs> <laughs> black sperm donors, let me tell you, make sure you just have a little glass of wine because, I mean, you're going to have to get, get through. There's not very many African-American Black donors. Um, oh, really? Donors. I thought you were going to say the no. opposite, the way you were saying with the glass of wine. It's like no, a party. No, it's not but a no, party. It's, it's like, way. let's get through. You're crying yeah, with like, the glass of wine. Okay, I see. tissues too, possibly, depending on the day. There are not very many. Um, on a daily basis, I'm looking at three sperm banks that the clinic that I am choosing to use works with. And there's just not. I mean, but here's the thing. When you're like dating, you're not finding out if they have like sickle cell genes and like, <laughs> right. especially totally. not on a first right. date, right? But <laughs> with looking for a sperm donor, now you have all these different options. Yes. And so you're being, you're able to see the whole genetic and medical history of these people. And it's like a lot to take in, um, which is where wine comes in. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a lot. I have like a notebook and I'm writing the donor, donor number, blah, blah, blah. Okay. This is, I'm like writing all the positives on one side and the negatives on the other and really trying to um, figure it out. But unfortunately there aren't that many. And I don't know if it's right now, if it's due to COVID. Hmm. And so there was one guy that I was like, yes, he's the one I want him. Mm -hmm. Yes. And when I called his wait list is full. So I've literally been calling every morning to check, hey, is this donor's, did anybody drop off his waiting list? Did anybody drop off his waiting list? Like, I'm like, I know y'all are going to get annoyed <gasps> with me calling every day. So you might as well just put me on the waiting list. Like, <laughs> let's save us both the hassle. So you mean you but, can't even get on the waiting list for this guy? No. Oh my God. Is it John Legend? Who is this guy? <laughs> uh, please. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. It's just... I mean, do you settle and just go with somebody else or do you hope somebody else settles so you can get on the waiting list, which is kind of where I am? Well, and I wonder too, being single, does any part of you think, well, maybe I'll wind up dating somebody and they can be the donor for me? You know, I've had that thought, but it's kind of like I don't want to feel 
pressured when it comes into dating. Like, I don't want to meet someone and be like, oh, like looking with my rose colored glasses, hoping that things could work out based on me wanting to go ahead and have a child. I I just want to do it on my own. Right. That's a good point, which comes back to what you said about, you know, proud single mom to be. Right. Do you have a sense of percentage wise, how many are black? Just to give like a perspective on the whole thing as you're going through these, is it 20%, 10%? When I put in the criteria for me, I've literally not had any black men show up um, wow. for specifically one one bank. Another bank, I've had one black guy show up out of 52. Um, wow. And the last firm bank, I've had one and it's the same guy. I just don't yep. want to settle for him. But there's maybe four that mm-hmm. have shown up on that particular sperm bank. So, I mean, it's really low. I mean, really low. And if you just take black out of the equ- equation and you just put like maybe curly hair and wavy hair, or whatever, you'll get. I mean, there's like 200 guys to choose from, but they're not they're not black. Wow. So you could put in every other criteria that you're looking for and take out the black part and you would get so many more. Oh, yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if that, you know, that that kind of comes to this overall question, which is that this whole world of fertility and infertility is a very non-black world. I mean, there are very few black women dealing with IVF. There are very few, as you say, very few black egg donors, very few black sperm donors. Do you have any sense, you know, I'm just going to ask you to speak for all black people now, Melissa, um, but do you have any sense of why that is? Yeah, I've I've really posed that question. Um, I think infertility in the black community is something that's not really spoken about. Like people do not educate us on infertility or checking out our bodies or looking at the different signs and symptoms that could be occurring for you to go and check it out. They we're just not told or and it's not something that's spoken about. And then the other thing is like that I've personally come across is having to deal with religion and it being based on religion. Like Mm. I've heard, I've had people tell me, oh, well, God just doesn't want you to have kids. Um, I've heard like, well, you know, IVF, that's science. That's not God. And so because of that, we don't believe in that. And is that your family that said that? Or you're seeing that just sort of as a cultural thing? um, Both. I've read that Mm. in different like Facebook groups that I'm in. Mm. But I've also heard that personally from people that I know in my community um, that have said that to me. And I've, I've, you know, encouraged them to kind of seek out a little bit more knowledge on it. And that, you know, when we talk about God, God is in the science and God gives man this, you know, wisdom to be able to create these wonderful things like and and make these things happen. I remember talking to my. my doctor, when I found out about it later on, I spoke to her and I said, is this premature ovarian failure? Is this something that you've seen quite often? Or she says at that time, she had four other women that were recently diagnosed with it. Three of them were black. And of those three, I'm the only one that are, is pursuing IVF. Oh. Um, and I asked her why that was. And she said, 
Um, one of the main reasons is because of finances. Oh, yeah. Insurance not covering it and having to figure out how you're going to pay for it and, and, and the time and effort that it takes to, to do all this research and, you know, all that we're doing with egg donations and the sperm donor. And, you know, it's just a lot. Yeah. Um, so. And it's, it's almost like a chicken and the egg thing, because if there aren't a lot of Black patients in need of donors, then the agencies aren't going to be as aggressive in recruiting Black donors because mm-hmm. they don't have as much of a market for it. And I don't mean to sound like horribly cynical, but that is the way these things happen, right? So it's not going to be their most aggressive angle for the types of donors they're going to look for because they don't know how many people are going to come along who want those donors. So it's like it just sort of keeps cycling back on itself. And and so like you're saying, more education, It's and it's. I think I agree with you, it's not... It's not necessarily that people aren't educated. I almost feel like it's about perspective. I am not religious, but I imagine, I mean, I was raised with religion and, you know, and Mm -hmm. and to me, science and religion work together. I mean, Mm -hmm. if God created me, he also created science. So, Mm -hmm. you know, he also created the moon and the solar system and nanoparticles and like all these other bits and pieces and chemistry. And, you know, so Mm -hmm. it just depends on where you decide to end your perception of God, I think, you know, and the bigger you make God, the bigger the universe becomes and the bigger, I mean, listen to an atheist talking like this, but, you know, (laughs) this is very sort of instinctive to what I, what I feel is, you know, you can't just say, well, God made you that way. So that's it. That would be like, if you broke your arm, you're supposed to spend the rest of your life with a broken arm, but no, actually God created doctors (laughs) to help you make a cast and set your arm and get your arm to be fixed. So, you know, if you have POF, yes, Let's say you believe that that's part of who you are because God created you that way, but also God created sperm banks and, you know, doctors. And why should people limit themselves emotionally to having to accept failure? I'm curious, are you religious? Has that come into your, you know, as you work through this yourself? Is it, is your faith part of this? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian um, and I, I have cried. I've, in the beginning of this, I was like, why God? Like, I don't understand why me. And were you angry at God? I was, I was angry. I was angry at him. I was angry at people that don't raise their kids the way that I think I would have raised mine, you know? Right. Oh my Um, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I like, give me a chance. I'll do it right. Don't waste it on these people. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But um, through this, it's definitely I've had prayers where I'm praying every morning just to, you know, just to be at peace and to be happy and to, you know, be a blessing to my students that I teach each day and Mm. faith that all, you know, when times do get tough or when I think that the money isn't going to come or I think that COVID is stopping me from being able to go to Barbados. Like I, (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, okay, God, I'm, I'm still holding on and still having faith that this will happen. And and I think that it gives me a sense of peace and comfort. Um, I think, and that's probably what holds me together. Like I don't, I don't have Mm. this, it's not going to happen feeling in my gut. Like, you know, sometimes you think some, you kind of feel like something negative is going to happen or something bad is going to happen. Like, I feel really good about this. I feel really good about moving forward and good about the direction that things are going. So I'm, um, 
I'm just really hopeful. Your faith plays a part. It gives you a nice yeah. foundation for all yeah. of that. It sounds like, yeah. Definitely. But the financial side, that was actually going to be my next question. I know you said you're doing a GoFundMe. So is mm-hmm. this your pathway to making this happen? It or? is. Wow. It's definitely been encouraging. Um, I mean, GoFundMe themselves, they have a GoFundMe give on Tuesdays or something like that. And GoFundMe funded me $500. Um, wow. They look at different, um, look at different GoFundMe's, I guess. And yeah. Yeah, and campaigns, yeah. yeah. Campaigns. There you go. And mm-hmm. they, they choose one and um, I was one of theirs. Now you mentioned Barbados and I happen to know that is not just you looking to go on a beach vacation. You have another <laughs> While you're talking about Barbados. So uh, what is the current state of your quest here? So they have found me an egg donor um, there. And who's they? Um, It's Barbados Fertility Clinic. Okay. Yeah. So that's where I'm going. And so the donor has been identified for you. The donor has been identified. I was planning to go in April, but with COVID and with everything that's going on now, I just... Oh, gosh. Everything's so uncertain. So I'm hoping that the donor that they selected for me, you know, I can still keep her. If not, then I'm just, you know, I'll just hope that someone else will come along um, whenever I decide to go. And so now I'm in like different, a couple of Facebook groups of other girls that go down there and couples that are going down there. Um, Wow. So there's a whole Facebook group that's part of just going to Barbados? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically for that clinic. And so they give they give advice on, you know, that's how I find out about how many days you got to stay there and who to call and what taxi driver to use and that sort of wow. thing. Wow. So they really get you through it. That's great. Yeah. You know, there's a thousand Facebook groups. Yeah. Um, they're not a thousand. In fact, I know personally there are not a thousand, but there's many Facebook groups yeah. of support for infertility. But I would wonder as a Black woman, how you feel about those groups and have you found one that feels more comfortable to you and would that yeah. have to do with skin color? Yeah, I'm, I've joined different Facebook groups um, and I think the ones that I do feel more comfortable with are the ones that are black, like black women and infertility and mm-hmm. like single moms by choice, like mocha yeah. single moms by choice. I really like theirs. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm in some of these groups, I don't really, I'm kind of shy perhaps. Like mm-hmm. I don't really get in there and do a bunch of talking, but I do a lot of reading of their stories and um, I might chime in and, and agree or, you know, show some type of support. And it's sort of, it's interesting because while you are coping with your situation and working your way through it, you're also an advocate. Yeah. I mean, this whole world of infertility, you know, mm-hmm. it affects something like one in eight couples. But if you think about those statistics, who are they polling with that, right? right? Because there could Mm -hmm. be entire communities of people of color that aren't even identifying their infertility or won't accept it. So they may not even be part of that statistic. And it might be much more than one in eight. It could be one in six. It could be one in four, you know. So we need to get as many people talking about this as possible because the resources and the solutions come when the numbers are big enough that they demand them. Yeah. So I, I think it's wonderful that you're so open about it. And I feel like that's something that is so freeing and something that is so helpful while going through this is the importance of being able to have your voice and to share it and to let other people know that you're not alone in this. Like 
we will get through. You can cry it out and it's okay to have your tears and it's okay to have your sad days and, and whatnot. But, you know, we can still pick ourselves up. We can still find other ways. We can still get through it, you know, as mm-hmm. a, as a, a, a community. Yes. And I think being able to help people this way is probably also helping you as you yeah. go through this. Um, That's great. And then what's the name of your GoFundMe? It's called The Teacher and the Lost Eggs. Nice. Okay. So people can yeah. find you through there if they want to make a donation. Of mm-hmm. course, we, we can yeah. do that here. So let's do it. Um, let's get Melissa to Barbados. <laughs> and mind and, you, it's just helping me pay for the financial part of the IVF um, and not the travel. That's what MasterCard is for. Exactly. <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, seriously, it's not even a joke, but it is because it's so painful. Um, <laughs> um, and then it just sort of as, you know, I, I kind of, end this way with everyone but is there do you have any last thoughts you would like to share and and also kind of coupled with that any thoughts of how we could get more black men and women involved in this conversation you know um bring them in as donors as well you know what um definitely just uh reach out to possibly a sperm bank or Find an egg donation bank. If you want to be a donor, contact some egg banks or contact sperm banks there. I know they're very prevalent on college campuses. I also know that Mm. um, the different sperm banks that I've recently been um, involved with have said they're going to try to reach out to some HBCUs, historically Black colleges and universities, campuses, which, yeah, would totally bring about more awareness and um, and people would donate more from those campuses because that's from my understanding that's typically where they go to get donors they go to the college campuses but if they're going to the college campuses that are not predominantly black or or going to college campuses that are predominantly white there's very few black students there therefore you would get very less you know egg mm-hmm. donations and, and sperm donors mm-hmm. um i know there's women who don't want children like they just know they don't want to have children if that's you go give donate your eggs like right allow someone else that what does want kids to bless them with it you know same thing for with, with the sperm just get out and donate Donate, donate, donate. Um, and then the other thing I would say is to educate yourself about your body and and ask around, like find a good doctor, you know, ask friends, ask family, ask older women, um, you know, who they use, who they trust and find a doctor that will listen to you and find a doctor that will help you understand what's happening to your body. But I would say Find out about your body in your early 20s, because maybe it's something that maybe you do need to freeze your eggs. You know, maybe you're not ready to have kids right now in your early 20s. Totally understandable. But freeze your eggs so that when you're able to or when you're wanting to, that you have that option. Um, That's something that I could have possibly have done. But I had known. Right. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. Well, Melissa, thank you so much for talking with me. This has just been wonderful. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're definitely going to get that GoFundMe out there so people can find you through there if they want to make a donation. Yes. It's called The Teacher and the Lost Eggs. Fabulous. And good luck with everything. I know you will be successful somehow because you are determined and uh, you don't take no for an answer. So I think that's that's very important. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) 
Thanks for hanging out with Melissa and me. Please check out her GoFundMe at The Teacher and the Lost Egg and donate if you can. Let's get her to her egg donor. And since we spoke, she's also founded a nonprofit called EmptyNest.org, E-M-P-T-I-N-E-S-T.org, to raise awareness and grants for women of color who've been diagnosed with infertility. Please check it out. Also, I want to mention this cool thing we're doing for our season finale in November. In season one, you met my therapist, Savannah Sandfield, and now we're bringing Savannah back to answer your questions. It's free therapy. So send your questions to ivfupodcast at gmail.com or just DM me on Instagram at ivfupodcast by November 11th, 11-11. Yay! And get your questions in. The IVFU Podcast is produced by me, Sam Shaper, and Emmeline Summerton. Audio mastered by Logan Heftel. Thanks to Chris Benelli for the late night Pro Tools parties, George Strayton for marriage, and Gary Scott for greasing the wheels. IVFU is a production of Inside Voices Media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at IVFU Podcast. You can download our theme song, Freakin' Love, at IVFUPodcast.com. And we'd love for you to review us on Apple Podcasts and spread the word to anyone who might be helped by these conversations. You can also be a huge help by leaving us a tip of any size, whatever you can afford, on Venmo and PayPal.me at IVFUPodcast. Thank you. And thanks for listening. I'm happy we shared this time together because it's all about being a family. Family. 